0: Name a career in which you may not have to worry about performance and still get paid, uh, besides the weatherman. Well, of course you expect your broker to perform well, but what if they put your money in the market and the market doesn't perform? 50% chance of rain or sunny skies. Is it time you learned how to keep your principal and protect your gains with a higher income strategy? That's why to tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Hallaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870,
1: The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc.
2: Strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategies. Learn from Arab Halabi Hey, welcome to the show.
1: Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Halby. Thanks for being part of the show. This is your place for news, talk, and information. Listen, we're here to, every week to talk about your family's uh, finances. Look, it, it's interesting to me when enough people uh, will try to tell you uh, the good news the, of the economy or the market. And the way they do it is by saying it's not as bad as, right? Uh, our famous queen, uh, Jean-Pierre, we'll get into her name and, and title as the press secretary for the president of the United States. But we'll get into that at another time. But I want you to think about this. When she compares the U.S. economy, it's not as bad as Greece or Argentina or Hungary. So our inflation, do you see? Our inflation isn't that bad. And it's kind of like you're saying uh, to your, your 12th grade child, and you say, listen, I know you're not doing well in English and math and history. But if you look across the street there, you see that daycare? You're beating those kids. Those three, four, five-year-old children, you are better than... So listen, you're not as bad as they are. So stop trying. Stop being better. When she compares the U.S. economy... So here's what happens. It's only the mainstream media that pays attention to that. If you're intelligent, if you have uh, 10 cents worth of financial education, you look at it and you say, well, why are we comparing an economy like the United States to an economy like Argentina. I was in Argentina in the summer, in August of 1983. At that time, they had just changed the money again and it, they had such runaway inflation that they removed three zeros. So 10 million pesos at the time was 70, seven zero US dollars. 10 million equaled 70. So they removed three zeros so that, so that 10 million pesos would equal 7,000 American dollars. So you, you ask yourself, does this make sense that we're comparing? So why do they do that? Why does the Biden administration, why does Corinne Jean-Pierre do this? Because they don't want you to pay attention to what's right in front of you, which is your 401k statement, which is the crumbling of the cities, which is the, the flight. You know, They like to call it white flight, but it isn't. It's middle class flight. It's upper middle class flight out of these cities, regardless of their race and gender. Right? It's people that have the means to say, I can afford one home, one nice home, but one, not two, not three, but one nice house. And so what is my choice? Is it going to be to spend the rest of my working days in Southern California or is it going to be to move? Is it going to be to spend the rest of my time Fighting homeless people on the way to the office by by stepping over them and stepping over uh, waste, human waste, and, and all of the drug paraphernalia? Is it going to be driving down the street? Try to drive down the 405 freeway or the 5 freeway. I love this one. The 5 freeway. I, I don't know what's happening. If, but the 5 freeway the, where the 5 and 170 comes together in the San Fernando Valley, open your windows or, or have your air conditioning on fresh air, right, instead of the circulation. And there is so much weed in the air. I don't know. It's every single time that I drive there. Going northbound, you can be coming from one direction or the other. It's that section of freeway. So what is right off the freeway? Maybe it's a smokehouse. Uh, it, it smells like, you know, when you drive by in and out Burger and they they pump that stuff in the air and, and you're going, oh, I feel like I want an in and out Burger. Or you drive by a steakhouse and you go, that's amazing. Bear Pit. Remember Bear Pit? Yeah, oh, I love that place. They pump the barbecue stuff in the air. They're pumping weed smell in the air. Do you think they do that in every other middle-class, conservative state? No, they don't. I've traveled to them. I've been to, I don't know, 35 states, 40 states. I don't see it. I don't smell it. So as this change starts to happen and then they try to say, don't pay attention to what's right in front of you. Look over here. Your retirement account is okay. So we have some of the latest numbers. Ready for this? In your famous mutual funds, ETFs, Money managers. Well, we're a money manager. We're different. We're a fiduciary. I love that fiduciary. I'm like, so what does that mean? When you guys come to my office, and many of you do, and I'm grateful for that, and you say, well, are you a fiduciary? Do you have fiduciary? My, my agents a fiduciary. I say, well, what does that mean to you? They say, well, well I, don't, I don't really know sometimes. Sometimes they say, uh, well, it means that you're supposed to have my best interest at heart. I said, okay, great. So kind of like a doctor is supposed to do the right, right? So do doctors ever get sued? Do they ever make mistakes? Yes. So do you think a law is going to make somebody who doesn't have ethics or morals or their values are tilted? You think they're going to now I'm going to – listen, I was, going to, I was going to screw my clients. I'm just not going to do it anymore because this law was passed. Right, My entire childhood of stealing and cheating and right, – forget it. Forget it. It's better today because they passed this law, right? How many of you, you, if you think that's the case, I'm not saying to use somebody that is or isn't or to care about that's what we are or that's what we aren't. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying don't add credibility or value to something that doesn't make financial sense. A good example. Did you know, this might be new to some of you, that it's already illegal to murder? Whew. I'm sorry. Listen, you didn't. It's news. It's news to a lot of us. So if we just had one more gun law that would make it illegal to, I'm not sure, then the bad guys are going to say, oh, well, listen, murder, kidnapping, robbery, those those things, I could deal with that. But, oh, this one new gun law that just passed. Oh, I can't do that. I, I can't go to prison for that. <laughs> All it does is turn good guys into bad guys. All it does is shifts the power For those of you that got vaccinated, I want you to go and listen to Dan Bongino's recent podcast about his vaccination. He says it's the biggest mistake he ever had in his life. He wishes he could undo it. He's never been an advocate for one way or the other. For me, I'm an advocate of common sense, right? I took eighth grade science. Dr. Brown was his name. All of us did junior high. You can look it up in the 80s, 82, 83, whatever it was, 81. And Dr. Brown said this, he said, Arif, by the time the, f- the, the community finds out about a virus, it's over. It's everywhere. And this was before we had 100,000 flights a day crisscrossing the United States, let alone the 400,000 flights, airline flights, planes, per day across the world. You realize that? <laughs> this is important to understand because back then it wasn't the same. Today, everybody can afford to fly. Back then, it was very few people could afford to fly. But nonetheless, he said, look, if you're going to have a virus, and we, quote, discovered it in October, November, by the time they started all this masking baloney in March, April, May, it's over. It's everywhere. So, and then they try to convince you that using bacteria hand sanitizer will kill a virus. And then we sit at restaurants, and you see the people hold their phones, drink their sodas. I swear I saw this. Drink their sodas, hold their phones, and then the mom pulls out from her purse this hand sanitizer, squirt, squirt, puts it on their hands, all the kids' hands. And guess what she just does? She goes right back to that phone and right back to that soda pop. And you ask yourself, look, people carry rabbit's foots. They throw salt over their shoulder. You can wear a mask. You can play hand sanitizer game you can do all those things they're all equal as far as any physician worth their salt pun is intended <laughs> to tell you something's wrong i i don't mind that you do those things you can do those things but don't make me do those things don't make me play along with your make believe world because what did it do it shut down the world economy didn't it it shut down the entire system of the united states for what reason Did politicians stop getting paid? You could go back three years. You'll hear me say the same thing. Listen, if you're going to call these people unessential, I'll tell you what. School uh, administrators, uh, city councilmen and women, congressmen and women, governors, senators, stop. Stop your pay right now. You do not get paid. We are not collecting taxes because nobody's working. So you don't get to be paid. Right? That's what I think should have happened and said, I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to serve you guys first, so we're not going to be paid. When you tell me that they are paid this and yet they shut down our pay, do you not see the power shift? Do you not see the ability for them to strip you of your ability? Why do you think they're trying to remove cash from the system? Why do you think they're trying to remove your ability to communicate? Right, These fact, checker, fact, fact checkers that are phony? NewsGuard, It's a phony left-wing agency, period. Do your research. Easy to find out. So I want you to see what the real result. Those things are more academics, people like us that are, that are geeks that will, will spend my days and weekends you know, researching and studying and calling and going to these meetings, conference calls and YouTube videos and, and uh, meet, conferences, right? I mean, this is what I do because I care about your financial life, right? It's easier, quote, for, for somebody in the industry to be successful, right? Just like you're supposed to be uh, have a beautiful home. If you're a decorator, your home is probably pretty nice. If you're a landscaper, you should have a pretty good front and backyard. So if you're a financial professional, you're going to be okay if you pay attention. So I don't do these things so that my financial life is better. I do this for you because who's going to look out for you? I I don't know. 90% plus of your accounts do not beat the S&P 500. That means you pay a fee to lose money. You know it. Look at people come in. This I had a gentleman in this week. He's like, Eric, I have this account. It's similar to one that you had mentioned once before on the radio. I want you to take a look at it. So I take a look at it. It's $296,000. Great account. Nice job. Good job. $296,000. I look at the account. I said, When did you put your money in? He said, 2017. Okay, so that's about six years, right? 2017, six years. So I looked at the numbers. And I said, you put this in February 2017. We're coming up on six years. Let's see what your rate of return is and how much did you put in? So he said, well, I put in $250,000. I said, okay, good. Did you take any money out? He said, no, I didn't take any money out. And that's important because these dollars, the 296000 is what the value is at this minute. is what he put in. That means he made how much? $46,000. I'm going to help you do the math. We'll do it together. Ready for this? Guess what his fees were? Yeah. Sit down. Be careful. $7,000 a year. So $7,000 a year times six, $42,000 in fees. So he paid $42,000 to make $46,000 thousand dollars that means the broker or financial professional wall street whom, whoever it was because it's hard to track who gets what and how many people you know are, are feeding at the trough but he worked his tail off he and his wife they put this money aside by putting that money aside they created wealth that was their job except the broker who doesn't do anything they just put it into a, a system right here's what they do uh, hold on hold on uh name address, social security. Okay, got it. What do you What do you do with my money? Oh, well, we put it in a, a variety and diversified investment options. While well, we put it in where we allocate the allocation of the, the diversification. And they use all these big words so that you smile and nod. And you go, I have no idea what that guy's saying. And then you put it into the system and they go off to Vail. They go off to Aspen. They go off to Tahoe. Whatever they're doing, hanging out, relaxing. And money managers are supposed to be in their... Buying, selling, buying, selling, investment. Great. If they're professionals, they do a good job. If you make me more money, I love it. I'll take it. What I don't want you to do is to do this. I don't want you to make me money and then turn around and cost me money. Follow me on that? Let's be clear for a minute. I don't want you to make more or the same that you gave me. Listen, if you make me $5,000, I'll give you twenty. I think that's a fair deal. Right, twenty-five thousand. You get five. I get twenty. Make me forty thousand. I'll give you ten. Maybe I'll even give you twelve. Uh, if we're in this game together, if we are both winning together, I am a happy camper. I want us all to win. Be strong. But wait a second. Explain to me, Mister, Mrs. Broker. Why, when I come in and talk to you, you make it sound very confusing. And then when I come in and see people like Arif, and they say, "Well, we want to roll over or move some of your money." And then you make it so difficult. Please hold. Oh, you need to speak to your broker. You need to speak to the agent. You need to speak to the actual uh, financial advisor. Great. Can you get him on the phone? Sorry, he's not available. Uh, The market is open and you are required. Just so you guys know this, this is, this really happened on Friday. The market is open. The stock market is open. You are required if the client wants to sell or buy, To sell or buy, right? Because he has an account with you. The market is open. I get it. Mr. Stock Market broker man or woman, they could be in the restroom or be on vacation or at lunch or have a sick child. I'm okay. Listen, that happens. It's called life. But you have to provide somebody else to execute the trades. Somebody else has to be available during market hours to make that trade. You cannot say hold please and send them into next week or, or tomorrow. And we are seeing that from these two named agencies over and over. And now it's clear because they are making nearly as much money in some of these cases as they are paying you a dollar for you, dollar for me, dollar for you, dollar for you, dollar for you, 85 cents for me. Oh, poor guy. And what do they do? Are they actually going out to the companies and doing the research? Uh, we sent a team of people. Your broker is on the ground in Pittsburgh looking at the steel industry to see what the supplier is doing to the manufacturer of the automobiles to make sure that the supply chain Oh wait, <laughs> She's not doing that, is she? She's sitting at a desk trying to go, well, get the next client. Ne- name, address. I-, I get it. But then why am I paying you? That's all I want to know. Why am I paying you? I want to give you a couple of things, guys, because this is important coming up. We have a special event. If you've been listening to the radio, you know, on Sunday, March 12th at 12 p.m., Dennis and myself will be solving the financial moral dilemma. Solving the financial moral dilemma protecting your family. It's uh, Dennis and I speaking Sunday, March 12th in Glendale at 12 p.m. If you can make it. Give us a call at 888-99-RETIRE. It's limited seating, guys. So we really need to make sure that if you want to attend, you let us know. It's an exclusive event for our friends, our clients, our listeners. It's a very limited. Okay, there's a, a, I think there's probably 40 seats left or something, uh, but very limited. Solving the Financial Moral Dilemma, Dennis Perger and myself, Sunday, March 12th in Glendale. Give us a call and we will give you the rest of the information as far as uh, when to show up and where to be. 888 retire that's 888 997 that's 888-99-RETIRE. All right, we're talking about uh, some of the mistakes I think people make <clears throat> and ultimately what you and I do when it comes down to making those big decisions for your financial fa- uh, life for retirement. All right, so let's get into that. Well, you have to ask yourself, will there be an impact? financially speaking, of this war in Ukraine. Yeah, there will be. There's going to be some problems, right? When the United States blew up the Nord Stream pipeline and people knew it, it's so, it's interesting. Everybody who was like, well, we don't know who did it. And the academics, right, on the conservative side, the common sense, the centrists, well, that was blown up by the United States, special forces, and they were trying to say, Russia blew up its own pipeline, so there's a crisis right now of belief, both in the FBI, which is now permeated down to the field office. It used to just be, you know, the t- the seventh floor in Washington, right? The FBI headquarters in Washington D.C. They were a bit, uh, well, quite a bit, if you will, corrupt. We know that now. We know they were politically motivated. We know they were they had uh, ideas of grandeur. Here's the problem I have. The most powerful person in Washington is Mike M- Mike Milley. Joint, chief, joint chiefs of staff. I can't talk today. Army joint chief, chief of staff and joint chief of staff of everybody in the military, right? Basically the number one military uh, advisor to the president. He's the one that undermined President Trump. He's the one that undermined President Biden. He's the one that's telling his counterparts in other countries. Is he compromised? I don't know, but he's calling them. He's dealing with them. Why isn't he impeached or in prison? Remember when President Trump inquired about Ukraine? The president, while he was president, <laughs> calls Ukraine to find out, is there something going on criminally speaking? Is there something going on politically speaking? Do I need to know that, that there's something compromised in our industry? And immediately that, the, the left-wing whistleblower jumps up and, and makes allegations. They impeach the president. So the undermining of the president of the United States – through the Pentagon, you understand that right, General Miley? It's very simple. What did he do well well he he lied to the President of the United States about the troop strength in Syria. How many men and women we actually had there? He did later on. he admitted it. It wasn't me. yeah, well, I didn't tell the President the truth. I told him there was less than a thousand, and there was two or three thousand. He's lied to the American people about what's going on with this the balloon he let this balloon. Now they're shooting down Listen, everybody knows it's the same thing as Nord Stream pipeline, right? We all knew that it was the US government and the military that blew up the pipeline. We all know that those other 3 balloons were civilian balloons, weather balloons, not Chinese balloons and they shot them down. So it's funny, do you think they're ever going to find them? Well, we deep water, we're never going to find them. Are you kidding me? We found the Titanic. Little robots went down and found the Titanic before satellite imagery, before satellite coordinates knew exactly where it went down. We had pictures of it. When the president of the United States is absolving a fighter pilot of their normal everyday responsibility, a fighter pilot's job is to go up, identify objects, and then makes a decision based on guidelines whether or not he or she are going to shoot those down president of the United States overrode any common sense or any theory that that particular pilot would have as to what that uh, object is and turned around and shot it out of the sky. Okay. Have you thought to yourself, hmm, he wasn't there. He didn't see it. Is he that top heavy where he's going to run around and trust generals to, to give him decisions? Right When they looked silly in the first place. So so I think – look, I I think they're going to be not paying attention to the things that need to be paying attention. The economy. We're at an 8.4. That's the official. I think we're going to be more than that. Inflation. I believe our inflation rate is somewhere in the neighborhood of 8.7 to 9, even if you're playing with the funny numbers. What's the reality to you and me on the things that we spend money on? Have you seen your natural gas bill? Have you seen your electric bill? Have you seen your bill for uh, gas at the gas station? So what is the real inflation? We're seeing between 20 and 25%. That means if it cost you $5,000 a month last year to live, now it is $6,000 a month to live the same way. That's what we think. That's what we're seeing with our clients. So I want you to be careful out there because some of the decisions that we make with our retirement accounts – Can impact If we're not growing the way that we need to, in other words, we're trusting the money managers to deliver, to perform, to do the things they're supposed to do, and yet they're not even beating the S&P 500. That's the set it and forget it. If you want stock market exposure, you go out and do some of those things that that don't cost, well, very little at all. You want safety and risk for your retirement. That's what we do, right? You find a professional who's a stock market guy or gal. It's not us. It's not what I'm going to tell you I'm an expert in. Have I done it? Do I do it? Have I taught it? Yes, yes, yes. But it's not what I'm going to do for you. Our job is safety and protection of your principal. It doesn't matter if you make lots of money, if you turn around and lose it, whether it be to fees or to risk in the market. So, safety and protection of principle—that's what we do. Triple eight ninety nine retire. That's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. I'm Eric Hallaby. Stay with me. We'll be right back after the break. This is the Total Financial Hour, Triple 899 retire We'll be right back.
2: Now Arab has a plan for me, higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably, thanks to Arav Halibi. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total power. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher
1: income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. Araf Halabi, the total financial hour, triple eight ninety nine retire I'm going to give that phone number out a few more times because I want you to sign up. For the uh, event, Solving the Financial Moral Dilemma, it's Eric Hallaby, that's me, and Dennis Prager. Uh, Come and see Dennis. (laughs) I'm there. Uh, What is it? They say I'm the arm candy. Uh, Dennis is the star of the show. So uh, Sunday, March 12th at 12 p.m. right here in Glendale, Solving the Financial Moral Dilemma. It's a free event. Uh, It's just for our, our guests, for our clients, and for our listeners Uh, If you'd like to attend, we're going to discuss some of the different strategies that both Dennis and myself have used to solve some of our own financial moral dilemmas, what I am seeing that works with our clients, uh, and maybe catching some of these issues before they become problems, right? Try to catch them, try to see them on the the horizon. I want to touch on a couple of those as we lead up to that uh, event so you get a taste of what we are going to cover. And one of the big issues that I see is when husband and wives plan together, but each of them specializes in a different area of household finance. For example, she manages the household bills, paying uh, everything from property tax to car registration. That's her job. Manages the electric bill and, and the grocery shopping. I don't know. That's household. He manages retirement accounts and financial planning for the future and maybe buying the next investment property or selling gold or buying silver. Whatever he's doing, that's his part of and, and contribution. To the family finances, my concern and what I have seen happen in fact four times this year already four times is the husband has passed away and left the wife unknowing to what 's happening on the other side of the equation, right Often when we build any kind of financial strategies where we 're using income as part of that stream, our concern is the wife or husband, the other person usually it's it 's the husband i 'm dealing with. But she should be there as well. She should understand at least the basics or he should understand at least the basics. Because if, if the wife, if she is managing the financial strategies of what we're doing and understanding when we're going to flip a switch and turn on the next stream of income and what, what's available at a drop of a hat, if she can manage that, but then she passes away, what is he going to do? Right. So, so do you see where I'm saying I want to see a little bit more of an integration. I get it. You both have it. I have it in my life, right? My wife handles certain things. I handle certain things. But I want this integration between the two of you at least enough to know what questions to ask, at least enough to know over there is the file or here's how I I get onto the computer and find out what passwords I need to to get on my online banking and on and on. Those things matter, okay? Don't forget that because that really matters When one of you is sick, can't talk or think, listen, many of you got received the vaccine and and I pray nothing happens to you, but we're seeing an increased amount in brain aneurysms. We're seeing an increased amount of heart issues, substantial heart issues. I mean, young people passing away. I pray you didn't force your child to do a vaccine because the guilt you're going to feel on the other side of this is, is horrible. I already, we already know many people who are dealing with that. But we're also seeing older folks that had no financial issues, people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, that all of a sudden have a brain aneurysm or or heart condition that they never had before. And so they're alive, and yet their issue or their problem is they can't work or contribute or tell people the passwords or the codes or or, or what it is that we're trying to do financially speaking. So – They come in with somebody who's on a ventilator or in a stroke or incapacitated mentally with Alzheimer's or whatever it might be. And then we have to come back and put those pieces of the puzzle back together. So if you can share that with them, I would encourage you to do that. And that's part of my job, guys. There's never a fee or a cost to meet with me. I want to be clear on that because many people, many financial professionals think that is the way to objectivity. As long as you pay me for my time, then the world is our oyster and I can select whatever products or services work best for you. Impossible doesn't exist, not true. Period. So what should you be asking, and I'm sure some of you are, well, Arif, why? You realize that, right? To be financially secure, strong, mentally, the, the question of why, no matter what we do, is always or should be on the top of your mind. So here's the why answer to that. It's simple. Nobody can be an expert in all financial products. Zero. Nobody can. That's why you always hear me push back when somebody says, we're a financial advisor of every sort. We do stocks, bonds, mutual funds, REITs, real estate uh, investments, uh, 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 limited partnerships, annuities, variable annuities, fixed annuities. variable. You say, goodness gracious, c- can you tell me what you're an expert in? You see, to the layperson, you guys call that financial. But it would be as if I went to a mechanic and I said, so what do you do? He says, well, I'm a mechanic. I say, well, fantastic. My brakes on my Audi need to be fixed. I don't have an Audi, but I know they're difficult to work on. So (laughs) my brakes on my Audi need to be fixed. He says, well, wonderful. I fix transmissions on Toyotas all day long. I said, yeah, I know. Maybe you you misheard me. I'm sorry. The brakes on my Audi. He said, well, yes, Arif. I'm a mechanic. So I can do transmissions, repair your air conditioner. Did you need a new alternator? I can fix your brakes. I can fix your, align your tires. You go, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe I should just go to a person who's an expert in Audis. Not just an expert in Audis, but what if you went to an expert in Audis that just does brakes? Five days a week. Do you ever think you're going to have a problem with those brakes? Probably not. Do you ever think you would think twice about going up over the grapevine or heading towards the Rocky Mountains on a car that may not stop going down the other side? Probably not. Do you see where I'm going with this? There are financial experts in every single field. Does it mean the responsibility to determine who those people are falls on you? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Sorry. Sorry. I wish it wasn't that way. But there is nobody that's an expert in everything. So you have to kind of ask yourself the question what's the purpose of this money? I have found in 27 years of practice that is the best and easiest question to start off everything. You tell me the job of this account. Well, it's to grow and to make a lot of money. Doesn't exist. Not true. Find another. Let's talk more detail. Well, it's to, well, I want it to grow like 1% a year, 10% a year, 25, well, the more, the better. Okay. So we're still missing the point. So let me rephrase the question. If I do that and I can reframe the conversation, I think you will see it. Here it is. The job of this money, if it is to grow, what is the ultimate use of this money? Is it to grow and buy an RV and travel the country? Is it to grow and take and replace some of the pension that you're missing so that you can have a, a monthly income stream? Is the job of this money to just leave it to your children or grandchildren or your spouse? Because you have an amazing pension, but when you die, the pension dies with you. So then I might need this account to fill that gap. Or is the job of this money so that you and your wife can spend all the other monies you have and live a great life, but you want to leave something to the children or grandchildren. Wonderful. We can do that. This account, that's the job to leave for my children or grandchildren so that we have guilt-free spending on all the other money that we make. So sometimes those examples will get you to go, oh, well, yeah, of course. Okay. Now I understand because the money in your pocket, that's for lunch or dinner, right? The $20 in your pocket, maybe 30 these days, the Biden inflation era. How apropos, right? President Carter is quite ill and will probably pass away this year. Isn't that interesting? At the same period of time where Biden is emulating his economic and even international military and political relations are being emulated by the same person who's, who's carrying his economic water, right? Sad, but, but it's most likely going to occur at the same time. So when you look at the, the job of this account, is it to keep up with inflation? Some of you, one of the third, the third or fourth question I ask you when you come into my office is, do you think you're going to stay in California in retirement? Some of you are hard yes, some are hard no, and many of you are in between. Maybe, maybe not. Should I Should I stay? Well, at the top of the hour, I'm going to have a guest on who I think will blow your mind. His name is Jeffrey Tipton, Dr. Jeffrey Tipton. And he's written an amazing book that will I think will help you explain and understand what's happening with this flight out of the cities, out of the left-wing Democrat cities. And it's called the book is called Leaving the City, Dr. Jeffrey A. Tipton. So stand by uh, at the top of the hour. We're going to be covering that and interviewing him. I think you're going to find that fascinating. So why is it That when we live and we kind of build our financial lives, there isn't an allocation for each one of these purposes, right? You go to work and you have one big 401k account and you just dump all your money in it or one IRA and you're putting all of these funds in it. And it's because the financial professional on the other side – I mean this is a guess but a fairly educated one. I think the financial professional on the other side is not a professional in the purpose of the money. He or she is a professional in just selling the accounts. Bring them in, sign the form, next. Bring them in, sign the form, next. So that even the back office, oh, you see all those people back there that you never meet? Oh, we have teams in Chicago and New York and Philadelphia, wonderful people. And they're doing all this buying, selling and this investing and this management. Got it, okay, that's wonderful. Then in the end, the proof should be that you beat the Standard & Poor's 500, S&P Standard & Poor's. Standard and Poor's, the last name of two men who created an index, which means a sampling of a variety of companies. In this case, the S&P 500 companies, and it took the best in all the industries, not just number one through 500, but the best in transportation and economic uh, – uh, well, well oh, what's a better – consumer goods, right? Marketing technology, manufacturing of, of con- consumer staples. I mean, all of these top, top companies. That's where the 500 comes from. And they feel, and of course, the people today that run it, they've long passed. They feel that 500 is a great sampling of that 11,000 stocks, bonds, mutual funds out there, right? They feel that they can get an idea of the direction of the market by looking at a very simple uh, index, and that is the top 500 people here in the United States. All right. Companies, rather. And some of them are international, by the way. Some of them are from Sweden and, and uh, Norway and, and Great Britain and Germany. So there, there's international companies, right? J- uh, Japan, etc. So I want you to look at that and say, if, if I can't just close my eyes and give it to the S&P 500 and pay the lowest fees possible – then, and I'm paying a management team 1% or 2%. And some of you, it's so cute. You go, well, I have a, a Vanguard, Fidelity, whatever, and I'm paying you 0.05. Know, not true, not true, not true. But, Eric, that's what they say in the statement and when I do some research. Not true, not true. Well, what do you mean? It's very simple, guys. Y- you can do the math. Right. If you have hundred thousand dollars, and do you think somebody's going to answer your phone call for eighty dollars a year, or or, or two hundred dollars a year? You you call every day. That person makes fifty dollars, thirty dollars an hour, twenty dollars an hour, whatever it might be. Do you really think that that your account? I mean, maybe, maybe you're you're the charity case for them. But I want you to go back to the common sense. Right, Doctor Brown, eighth grade, common sense. Right? The hamburger shop I was at where, where I looked at the lady, put hand sanitizer and then pick up the same cup that she was holding before the hand sanitizer and the phone and the purse. And then she took right, common sense, right? Wiped down the table with the same hand that you just put sand, hand sanitizer. You guys need to think. People walking down the street by themselves wearing a mask. Think. Take that same common sense and put it into the financial world. Right? Very simple. Here's what we do. You're going to earn between a 0 and a 15 or so percent rate of return. 0, 18. That's it. Realistically, the average is maybe 3 to 9 over time. So some years, 0, two, nine, four, six, three, 10, 15, 0, four, right? That's the every year. It's a different interest rate. But if you took a 10-year period of time, eh, the average is going to be between 3 and 9. That's what we see. So does it keep up with inflation? Yes, it should. Every year? No. Some years it doesn't. Do we have the ability to earn extra income and increase that income over time in these accounts? Yes, you do. That potential exists. But what's the cost, Eric? Nothing. Well, then Eric, you don't work for free. You're darn right I don't. (laughs) Right? Neither does anybody. So what do they do? Well, the companies are going to make more money than they give you. (gasps) You didn't just say that on the air. Yes, I did. Companies are going to make more than they give you. And when, this is important, when you are in the process of taking your money out, you get to take out somewhere in the neighborhood of about 10% or less per year. So as long as you take out less than 10% a year, you're never going to pay a fee or a penalty. You're not going to pay a charge. But what if I have a medical issue, a big medical issue? No problem. Terminal illness, medical. We will the, – the, the company waives some or all of the costs or fees. That's important, right? I mean if the job of the money is simple, it's to provide a lifetime income stream, then how long do you think you're going to want an income stream? For the rest of your life, right? It's not a short-term process. So I want you to think about this when you're trying to build your financial life. If the purpose of the money is a lifetime income stream, then fixed or fixed index annuities can be a great place to put it. If the job of the money is to buy an RV or travel the country or or to pay for a you know a vacation or something, okay, well that's a different place. Right? But if it's I want to take I have a million dollars and I want to play with 50,000, I would say you go girl. You go, you put that on red, you, you invest in that startup, you go buy those penny stocks, whatever it is you want to do, you go take that risk. That's different than what we do. When you wake up in the morning, our accounts have to be there. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So it's a different place, right? When you're working, when your food, shelter, clothing comes from your job, okay? Your retirement accounts, they can go up and down because your income is stable, I like that. You're buying when it's low, buying when it's high, buying, buying. Every two weeks, you're putting in money. Your company is doing a company match. I want you to be in the market. You go and take those risks. But when you get closer to retirement, I'd say three, four, five years, or you've been in retirement for three, four, or five years, right? We call it the golden 10, five years before retirement, five years after. We can't afford a risk of loss because we're not going to go back to work to make that up. I also don't want you buying really expensive things that have a fixed cost. For example, people say, oh, I have $2 million in my account. I earn dividends. I have interest. I have money coming in. I say, great. Let's take a look at what do you – oh, what is this $1,400 a month cost? Well, we bought an RV, this amazing recreational vehicle, this motorhome. That's, it's huge. Four slide outs and it's – oh, that is amazing. I love it. Let's look at it. Go. Oh. Good job. So this $1,400 a month is a fixed payment. That means that payment is fixed. So you need to have an account that equals that. That means a fixed expense, fixed asset, so that the money doesn't disappear. Because if you think you're going to, well, my dividends and my $2 million is going to make enough to pay for that RV. This is just an example then I don't want you to go out and take a risk where $2 million becomes $1.5 million and you just lost money because guess what happens next month? That same $1,400 payment, it never disappears, right? So, so I want an asset that's tied to that liability. You have a, a primary residence. You're paying on the house another two years or five years. or so. Great. Let's have a asset, in this case, your retirement accounts or whatever it might be, that equal or match or pay for that same liability. Because here's what we're seeing. Over and over, we're seeing the issues of Ukraine being used and and Russia as an example of why everything's going wrong. You know how quickly you can solve this? You just do something very simple. You say, oh, Ukraine is keeping a tally. And so is the world whatever organization they want to send into the UN. And every time you blow up a building, that's $400,000, 600000 here. Oh, a million dollars for this. And you keep a tally, just like they did against Germany in what's called the Great War, later known as World War I. The Great War, they went back to Germany. Now, they did it wrong, right? They, they had Germany, the, the citizens of Germany, working their tail off to give all this reparations back to France. And England and and some of the other countries, right? So it it engendered an enormous amount of animosity between the two uh, countries and ultimately led to Hitler coming along. So you learn from that lesson, you modify it, but you tell Russia, you're going to have to pay for all of this rebuilding. Ukraine is going to look amazing when you're done. So every time you blow something up... You're going to have to fix it. That's the first thing. Second is you just run along and you say, hey, Ukraine, um, you you need to keep track of of the atrocities because everybody from the general down to the captain down to the the soldier on the street, all of them, the officers, they're going to be held accountable for war crimes. And so we have signals intelligence that, that pulls who these people are, their call signs, their names. So if the United States wanted to solve the Ukrainian issue and remove that from the inflation, remove that from the uncertainty, remove that from the risks that your retirement account suffers, because all day long, there's this little black cloud over in the corner. And it's what happens if this war spreads to the rest of Europe? What happens if Bulgaria, what happens if Poland, Moldova, right? What, what happens next? Because you understand that most... Of the wealth the men have left, <laughs> right? Most they they're gone. They took their money. They went and bought houses in on on the Crimea Sea and in, in Dubrovnik, Croatia and Split and and all the up, all over the Greece and Turkey. They bought a lot of old property. They bought everything. They took the money. They took your your taxpayer dollars, and these men and women, these wealthy families are gone. They're not fighting for their country. They couldn't care less. It's the farmer and the street soldier and that lower middle class folks that can't afford to leave. They're the ones fighting. So you have to keep that in mind when you're rebuilding this country because guess what? You and I are going to pay to rebuild this country if they don't do this with Russia. If they don't put together a plan that lays out exactly how Russia is going to pay it back. And we just keep a tally every night. Every night. You did that with COVID, right? Oh, 106,000 people or four more, 4,000 more people died in Okay, great. Then here's what I want you to do. Here's what Russia currently owes. Oh, they bombed again. This is now what they owe. So everybody knows, including the Russian citizens, and you leak it into the country. And you say, folks, you guys are going to pay this back. Your economy is going to suffer for a decade. That's how you stop the war. But you see, then they don't have to address the issues going on with the market. They don't have to address the scams that went through with FTX. They don't have to address the financial fraud that's taking place with these lawsuits that happen every month, there seems to be another financial brokerage firm, stock market firm that's sued. They pay 2 million, they pay 3 million, they pay 4 million, 50 million, 20 million. Right? Pick your favorite stock market company. Doesn't matter Fidelity, Morgan Stanley, Raymond James, Edward Jones, doesn't matter. Pick up. any of them. And look and see how many or what lawsuits happened in the last 12 months. Right? They, they say they didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. We're not admitting fault. And yet somebody paid millions of dollars. Why isn't the SEC, why isn't the Biden administration going after and cleaning up that? Because guess whose money that is? Yes, yours. Your money. Right? You thought that this was your financial dream come true. Well, we can fix that. That's our job. Our job is to do a rescue plan. We have bonuses that can help you increase the income stream you're going to receive in retirement. We can look at your Social Security. When should you start it? Why should you start it here versus there? What's the strategy? We can lay that out and create a really interesting, I think, strategy to eliminate and lessen your risk. And that's what we're here about. All right, folks. Let me give it to you one more time: triple eight ninety nine retire eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. After the break, I have Doctor Jeffrey Tipton leaving the city. He's an author and a doctor, I think you're going to find it health and happiness in the other America. Why are people leaving the San Franciscos, the Los Angeleses, the Chicagos, the place where people used to fight to come for their financial success? We're going to hear from him when we come back. Dr. Jeffrey Tipton, stay with me. Leaving the City. Interesting book. We'll be right back.
2: To do. Uh, makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The total financial power. Learn about financial power. security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby.
1: Learn about financial power. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arab Halaby. This is the Total Financial Hour. Your place for news, talk, and information. I appreciate you being here. As promised, I have a special guest, Dr. Jeffrey Tipton. Before we get to him, grab your pen and paper. I'm going to give you the phone number. I'll give it out a couple of times. We can take a few phone calls because I think this is important. We want to hear your perspective. You've heard me talk about this for years now. In fact, we've really been pushing it. I want to say the last six years, I think, once we realized Jerry Brown was lying about the budget, lying about the deficit in the state of California, which has now come to roost. Right, We're now in a position to where everybody turns around and you know a friend, family member, somebody that has left the state, right? Certainly left the city, maybe moved to San Bernardino, maybe Riverside, but how many people have left the city, the state, that type of an area? Well, I think you have to ask yourself, if these people are leaving the city or the state, what's the reason? What's the reason that we're getting this movement and I love it when you talk to the state or CNBC. I saw somebody uh, recently in an interview, and they said, well, people are leaving the state of California at a record rate. It's around – their numbers are about 600 to, to 750 per day, per day. Our numbers are closer to 2,000 per day. Okay, that, that, that's important. Seven days a week. Drive the 15 freeway. Drive the 10 freeway. <clears throat> any of these freeways. <clears throat> and here's what you'll see. U-Haul after moving van after moving van after U-Haul, all heading out of the state. And economics doesn't lie. What does it cost to go to drive a U-Haul truck from Los Angeles to Dallas? Right around $4,000. What does it dry, cost to drive from Dallas back to Los Angeles? About $1,300. In fact, if you're looking for some part-time work guys and you have a good driving record, many of these companies... We'll pick you up, fly you to Phoenix or Dallas or Fort Worth, where, even as far as uh, Florida or South Carolina. They'll pay you to deadhead or drive an empty truck back, $200, $500, even $800 to get that empty truck back here so they can turn around and rent it for three or $4,000 out the other way. They'll pay for your room and your board and your airline ticket. So not a bad business. Right? I don't want you to ever think you can't make extra money because you certainly can. Why are people leaving? I've told you before, that's the question to ask. Dr. Jeffrey Tipton, leaving the city, health and happiness in the other America. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey.
0: Good afternoon, Arif. Good afternoon, everyone.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate you being here, especially on a Sunday, because this is obviously a time that a lot of people have away. But why do you feel that people should, maybe they already are, of course, in in record numbers, but why should they consider leaving LA's urban environment?
0: Yeah, well, I'd say I'm hardly the sentry standing on the hill telling people that danger or something bad is coming because people have already decided that and they're, and they're leaving in droves. Right. But for those that are kind of still on the fence, you know, they sort of need to look at their life overall. What's their life mission? What's their purpose, so to speak, and then try to figure out how LA sort of meshes with that or goes against that. But, you know, looking at LA, this is a financial show. In terms of affordability, it's it's probably the least – one of the least affordable places in the country.
1: Now, I hear that always, and of course somebody is paying for it. Uh, everybody, all of us complain. We complain about the price of gas, and yet we still fill up at Maybe we spend more time in maybe the Costco or the Sam's Club gas station lines to save 10 or 15 cents a gallon. But people are still paying for it. They're still living here. But we're seeing that flood out. The question I always get from folks, Eric, if you say everybody's leaving the city or the state, but then why are house prices still high? Well, uh, I guess
0: everything is supply and demand. There seems to still be enough demand there to keep things going. You know, A lot of people are floating a lot of mortgages and other things to sort of buy into the dream. But I don't know that it's a dream anymore. I think that they have to sort of – See that, you know, in certain movies it starts out as this seems like a, a nice family friendly movie, but then it turns into a horror movie in the <laughs> end. And I,
1: I, I think I think that's kinda of what is going on here for a lot of people. Well when you wrote the book, Leaving the City, there was a reason and specifically as a physician. Tell us a little bit about your background and then I want to hear the medical some of the medical push behind sure, that. And yeah. real quick real quick before we do that, I need to give out the phone number. 866-870. Five We're going to take calls. We don't often take calls, but we do today. And I want you to do this. It's a different number. It's the in-studio number 866-870-5752. 866-870-5752. If you have a question for myself or Dr. Jeffrey Tipton, why are people leaving the city?
0: Yeah, so my background is is I was born in L.A. I was born on Sunset Boulevard, and I will say, "No, my mom wasn't a prostitute that had me <laughs> on the street." Uh, I was born at the Kaiser there, yeah, and so I largely grew up here. Then my family moved to Santa Barbara, which was a nice change from L.A. Uh, that was during the smoggy years of L.A. Uh, in Santa Barbara, I actually had a, a bumper sticker on my car that said "L.A. Go Home," so I had I had definitely uh, developed an attitude about L.A., Um, but, you know, I ended up here for my medical training. I trained in uh, internal medicine, preventive medicine, public health, UCLA, USC. So I was kind of living here, sort of living out the job of a physician. But I was especially um, interested in preventing illness, disease, mental illness, the whole thing. That that became my focus because I didn't like seeing people get sick. So that became my focus. I worked with the county. I worked at Cal State LA as medical director. So I've worked private, public side of of healthcare in LA. And so my background is I wrote this book because I don't like it when people feel bad and I saw that a lot of people in LA and other urban environments were feeling bad, so that's why I wrote the book. Not to uh, you know, I'm not a real estate agent trying to get them to sell their house. I'm trying to get them to think about, why are you living here? Are there other places that you can live and sort of satisfy whatever your dreams are? And I too was pretty much like, uh, okay, Southern California is the best. I'm a surfer, I'm an ocean swimmer. This is the only place I can do that. Then I went to Florida and I said, oh my goodness, they have an ocean here too. (laughs) And and it's warm. And then when I saw the prices of the homes there, I even asked a realtor, I said, are you having a half off sale today Wow is this a president 's day weekend sale? <laughs> so it was so shocking to see that and then you know in Florida you didn 't have to pay to park you know the parking you know I think one thing that got to me and gets to everyone here is the parking industrial complex with the the parking tickets, basically just wear you, wear
1: you down so there 's three agencies i 'll be clear on a couple of things here there 's yeah. three agencies in the city of Los Angeles that are revenue producing the rest are revenue taking right filling potholes. Yeah. That's revenue taking police officers, revenue taking three revenues, the airports. We used to own, uh, uh Ontario. We, I think the city just sold that, but the airports. so Van Nuys and LAX, oh. that's number one. Number two is the ports. Now maybe today this is switched, but the ports of Los Angeles, right? All the shipping containers coming in. One of the highest revenue producing is what's called parking enforcement. They walk up and down the street and they write many 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 tickets. And what they do on a regular basis is go through and take I think tax the least able to afford this. They give what's called cash overtime. That means it's not a de- it's not an hour and a half off for every hour you work. They're paying you time and a half. And they even afford to pay those guys to write the tickets. You ready for this? What's called double time. <laughs> And when you do the math, it's right around a hundred bucks an hour. Uh huh. That's huge, a hundred dollars an hour. So they have to write enough tickets to cover the hundred dollars an hour, plus the supervisor who's sitting in the office, plus that supervisor's supervisor, plus the administrators, and on and on. Yeah, it's, it's so it's you're right. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, it's unconscionable, actually. I, I mean, I don't, when I talk to the parking enforcement people, because unfortunately, I've been on the other side of a ticket <laughs> a few times. I, I I say, how do you? How can you do this job? How can you actually feel good about this job because this job really doesn't produce anything. It's not a public safety benefit. There's no real great benefit to that's it. That's right. Just a scam. Yeah. it. it, it uh, let's see. Okay. We'll call it a scam. That's fine. I, I, you know, that's I'm going to
1: – because look, you come in and you tell me because what? here's what they do. They make up all these – well, the businesses need the recycling of the people <laughs> just like carpool lanes. So yeah. when a lady that has a, a two-year-old child in the back seat and that's a carpool, so you're telling me that's the same objective yeah. – Right, They make up these rules. So are you finding that these rules are being made up more in the city and hence can lead to a public health issue or some of these funny rules? Because I don't see this in urban America where you can't park in front of the hardware store for more than an hour or two hours.
0: Yeah. So you can sleep on the sidewalk. That's OK. They're not going to do anything about that. But if you park your car in front of the person sleeping on the sidewalk and the meter expires and you have a ticket. That's
1: right. So. You should say I'm paying this guy. I'm <laughs> yeah. paying this guy to uh, – Yeah. To, all, to watch my car. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's a better way to go. Well, what, what else are you seeing on a regular basis? Because you're seeing that urban environments are affecting people's health. Yeah. Certainly, uh,
0: certainly we, you know, we're, I, I don't know. Are we done with COVID yet? During COVID, we saw that, that urban all, all communities took a hit. But urban environments started out with the hits in New York City and other places like that. So we see that, you know, on a health public health side, when you have an infectious disease, certainly an airborne infectious disease, it spreads like it's going huh, yeah. to spread that quick because people are sort of stuck together like that. And it's funny because we have all this stuff about the uh, earthquake in Turkey and Syria, about these buildings that collapsed. And I think people imagine that these were old buildings made of brick, or they're made out of mud or something like that. Those were new buildings that collapsed. And so, for LA in particular, LA will, LA will have another earthquake. And so the question is. You know what kind of structure are you living in when the earthquake comes? Uh, Single-family sort of wood-frame structures do fairly
1: well in earthquakes, and everything else doesn't do all that well. So, Mike, then always uh, I would ask: so where where do you plan on being when the earthquake hits? Are you going to be at your doctor's office in a fourth, fourth <laughs> on the fourth floor of a, yeah. of a six-story yeah. building? Are you going to be in, in a parking structure waiting to get out of LAX? Yeah. Uh, so you're right, it, because we have become a vertical place. Yes it has led to now here's part of the challenge i have family in the middle east uh and there isn't as it isn't as if there isn't enough money flowing through turkey and other countries around the middle east and and everywhere the challenge is the corrupt when you pay for a hundred thousand dollars for for something and it's supposed to be a 15 percent profit to the contractor a lot of these cities and states and counties the layers of corruptness is enormous. I'll give you a good example. In Lebanon, uh, I had somebody that I knew that was involved in, in the uh, roads, repaving the roads, because the potholes are everywhere in Beirut. So we're driving through. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is worse than Los Angeles. Don't they pay? They, oh, yes. They pay to get eight inches of asphalt. And so it takes a long time for the pothole to be there. But what they actually deliver is four inches of asphalt. So they're going to be here again next year. I said, where's the money go? They said, it's corrupt. So you have all these government officials, so that's probably what happened is is people were getting paid off uh cement was under uh quality that that it should have been, and so so was the steel
0: yeah, so this weekend I had a family reunion, and my uh uncle talked about the bay Bridge in Oakland, and that failed because of somebody cheaped out on some materials right that's right, so for the idea, for people here to think that people aren't corrupt that's right uh, they're I know that med- there's medical marijuana, other m- marijuana now. They would have to be high to, to believe <laughs> that
1: people here in all sort of levels are not corrupt. Well, the, the the testimony of the city of Los Angeles leaving that corrupt world in the early 1900s when the mayor, the police chief, uh, and somebody else, if I can remember, the mayor, police chief, and somebody else was arrested – in the early 1900s, and a whole new wave of professionalism came into the Los Angeles Police Department, mm-hmm. and that changed everything. And it was uh, Chief Davis uh-huh. that came along, and Chief Gates was his protege. But Chief Davis, who was the chief for quite a long time, made a professional uh, attempt at the police department, standards, et cetera. And what that did also is it brought the rest of the city of L.A. to a professional, non-corrupt level. That's why The the FBI for decades allowed the Los Angeles Police Department to monitor itself was because the city was considered not corruptible as opposed to Miami or New Orleans or New York. The FBI had people actually in their facilities on a regular basis, not with Los Angeles until Rodney King happened. Uh So when you think about that entire structure that permeates contracting and permits and inspection and on, it seems like we're back to that same level of corruptness. Yeah, I live in San
0: Pedro and I watch the I watch the movie Chinatown yeah. many times and I say not th- things you believe they've changed since that time they haven't really changed it's no. just at another level that you're not quite aware of.
1: Mayor Tom Bradley in 1972, I have no notes in front of me this this stuff is in my yeah. head. 19 I didn't think we were going to talk about this mm-hmm. 1972 if I'm so forgive me guys if I'm off by a year or two. But ran for mayor of the city of Los Angeles. His goal was by 1980 to have full Uh, electric mass transit subway rails other country other states did it other cities did it we're going to do it it wasn't until literally a month or two after he passed away not even in office passed away and a small article you guys go find it in the microfish of the los angeles (laughs) times and it said mayor bradley took money from shell oil and goodyear tire because those were the two that would lose right If, if roads and bridges were not continuing to be built yeah. tires. And, and so th- that level of corruptness has always kind of been there. That's how Mayor Tom Bradley. That's how uh, many other organizational uh, city leaders. I won't use their name now because I don't have their proof in front of me. But I do <laughs> know But I could tell you privately. We know who they are. Yeah, we bodyguarded some of them when I was a policeman. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's kind of like,
0: uh, you know, more government, more problems. And I think that people have reached a historic high in their distrust of government. And when you look at California as the, the the number of regulations, it's like it's like the most regulated
1: state in in the country. Well, that has to permeate our lives daily for it to affect our well being and our health. So, tell me a little bit about that from a medical perspective. What does that do to the person when they leave this urban environment? Yeah, so we could
0: look at just uh, you know uh, commuting in LA, and so commuting. There are a number of studies that. You know, people who have commutes over 30 minutes or so, their health just deteriorates. You know, so your body like reacts to stress, it releases cortisol, then cortisol starts to break down a lot of other things. And then you, you become suddenly become diabetic and other things like that. So commuting alone in LA is, is a killer. It probably, you know, for the average commuter, if you commute here for 20 years, it
1: shaved five years off your life. Wow. Yeah. We see uh, some of the largest uh, increases in child abuse in the Antelope Valley because of that commute is what they attribute attributed to. Parents come home stressed, and there's massive amounts of uh, delays in coming home and the stress levels. Well, child abuse seems to be on the increase in the Antelope Valley. We have plenty of clients that work in child protective services, and they say they just can't even keep up with it. I mean, I I, I don't know, probably six or eight uh, of these – most of them are ladies that work in that industry – work in that LA County field office for this for the San Fernando the um uh Antelope Valley and they just say that it's a horrible event. So maybe that leads to that as well. Yeah it could be it's possible. I mean certainly it's a it's a
0: major stressor. And I often see people on, you know, the 10 or the ninety one doing that doing that commute from Inland Empire to LA. For what kind of job is it yeah. that's paying so well? $2 more yeah, an hour or should, $4 you, more an hour. It's just killing you, and you're delusional to think that somehow it's a benefit to you.
1: It, it's the exact opposite. I think if people were to look at other areas, we'll get to what places you think in the country have a better work-life balance for our health. But I think that there is uh, an awakening – of places, you know, Austin, Texas has always been the the quirky, weird place, right? They always say, keep Austin weird. That's a bumper sticker, a t-shirt. I've been there a few times. What I really think is the the big picture for most of Americans is getting back to nature, kind of feeling like that is important still.
0: Yeah, so there's a, a number of studies now that say people's association with nature, their ability to access nature is tremendously important for their health. I'm a person who uh, turned the LA River into a place where you could recreate. And I would say because I felt that it was a needed green space in LA and just kind of the stuff I and others had to go through to make that happen was
1: surreal. I think I remember were you in a kayak and they had some news, you know, channel something news whatever was interviewing you as they you were kayaking down the LA River?
0: Yeah, so I remember that. Yeah, yeah so we had funny. so we had a group of uh, of people Uh, who decided uh, we learned that in order for the L.A. River to turn back into a river, it had to be considered navigable, so we decided to go down the the entire L.A. River. Here's what sort of saved that trip because LAPD, people believe for a long time you can access the river. There were some chain link fences around it and other things like that. But people believed it was you couldn't access it. So in our you trip – When you say couldn't, I mean from a legal standpoint. Yeah, they couldn't. They can, you couldn't get down there and put it. your feet in it, right, it. et cetera. And Got then it. people thought, oh, it's dirty and all that. Really all the water from that, and this just sort of shows the insanity of L.A., comes from a sewage treatment plant in the valley, millions of gallons a day poured into the L.A. River that goes to Long Beach. And if you step back and you look at it, you go, we import water from – you know, the L.A. aqueduct, Mammoth, et cetera, and then we use it and then we shoot it out to the ocean as fast as we can, which is honestly, like from an urban planning perspective, it, it is – It's I, I, don't, I can't imagine coming up with something like that and somebody
1: saying, hey, you know what? That's a really good idea. I'll tell you this, uh, folks, and I have no problem defending it. I need maybe three days to gather all my notes and I'll, I'll meet you kind of anywhere, anytime. You want to come on my show and defend it. We are not in a drought. It is phony. It's a lie. It's, it's not true. If you're not seen the, the weather outside, doesn't r- – okay. we are not in a drought. Why? Because remember, that's the question to always ask. Why? It's very simple. We had trillions – yes, with a T – trillions of gallons of water when it rained went out to sea. If the politicians are not corrupt, if the politicians are not in the business of scarcity, scaring the daylights out of you, global warming, global cooling, global blah, 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 climate – then they would act differently, right? The act differently part is no private jets for Mr. Hines himself, John Kerry. You would act differently if you were thinking that the Sacramento River Valley, where all that water comes off the the Sierra Nevadas and the, the other mountain ranges, goes out to sea instead of watering the vegetables, the fruit trees, and everything in the Central Valley. So what did they use? They used groundwater. So the water that was meant for you and I to drink They used to now water all of those trees and plants and and vegetables and Bakersfield and Modesto and on and on. So now there's less water for us to drink. So guess where we got to pull it from? Lake Powell, Colorado River, Mono Lake. So, of course, either there's a drought, which means you act a certain way, or there isn't a drought, which means you don't act a certain way. So uh, so I don't see it. Listen, we saw the masking issue. I, I beat that up all the time because yeah, yeah. it had zero common sense. Yeah. Why is it that in this urban environment like the New York, Chicago, L.A., we saw the, these mayors get all crazy about masking and social distancing. But then I would travel to other states and other cities. My daughter's in Mississippi. My, we have family in Utah and in, in Texas. I go there and there was nothing. I mean it was night and day. Kids were playing sports. Pe- kids were in school. Yeah. We were in restaurants ordering in a line. You could always tell the tourist because they had a mask on their face. Well, it's all about messaging,
0: right? So if every if everything you listen to on the – except for this, right? Yeah, uh, on the, right? On the radio, the TV, tells you this is bad, this is what you need to do, then uh, eventually you uh, believe it. If the governor comes on and tells you this is how it is, you believe it. I'm a public health professional. Uh, uh, Fauci ruined my profession. He did. I can no longer hold – I can no longer sort of go out and say, "Hey, I'm I'm board certified in public health," and then, you know, wait wait for me to start running to dodge the rocks. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of that's kind of what's come down to. But my LA experience was is the LAPD did come, and here's how we we were allowed to continue on. We actually got a film permit to film. Not the film permit said everything but the river. You can't be in the river when you're filming the river. And so when the LAPD came, we showed them that permit, which said that we expressly said we're not supposed to be in the river. They read it over and they said, uh, "They said go on your way. We're in support of this, right?" So, so I also tell people if you want to do anything in LA, get a film permit. Now I'm That's not right. I'm not advocating for holding up
1: banks, but you could probably <laughs> walk in there with a, with a film <laughs> permit and, and do it. Well, uh, the uh, Dr. Jeffrey Tipton's book is Leaving the City. Let me give you the phone number one more time. 866-870-5752. That's 866-870-5752. Give us a call if you have a question for Dr. Tipton or myself. So, uh, Jeff, one of the things that I'm seeing is carbon, uh, the, the the COVID has affected the urban migration. Tell me about that. Well, certainly. I think what happened with COVID is that a lot of companies said –
0: well, you can. Um, uh, we don't want you coming to the office because it's too dangerous. So you go work from home, and then that experiment started, and then they saw that uh, people saw, "Hey, I really like working from home." Yes. But maybe I can work from another home, right? Maybe I could go to another place and still do this kind of work. So some people are fortunate to do uh, remote work. I think it's up to thirty percent of the adult population now can adult, uh, can remote work. So that freed up a lot of people to leave.
1: You know, what we were seeing on a regular basis, Jeff, is we would have clients that would say, I'm in uh, the tech space, right? They would work for, you, you pick the tech company. I won't say their names, but any of those tech companies. And they were renting. They were renting in Silicon Valley for $4,000 a month. And they said, you know, here's my deal. We're going to leave. We're going to uh, blow the, the the lease, which they could do. The governor the governor and the president gave you permission to steal, right, when they said don't pay your rent. So that's what they did. People left. And when they did, here's what took place. They got in a van. And during work hours, they were at the hotel working on the hotel Wi-Fi, which was pretty good. They paid for the upgraded Wi-Fi. And then they went on two days later, three days later, and went to the next place. And on the weekends, they would travel further distance. And they hit nearly every single continuous United State. Uh-huh. States in the United States. Well, the movie Land sort of like opened people's
0: eyes to like another possibility, uh, a way to live. And so I also say that people need to have kind of a business plan for their life, set out their mission, goals, objectives, and kind of figure out like where, where
1: they live or maybe where they don't live is the way to accomplish those things. When we come back, folks, Dr. Jeffrey Tipton, I want to take your calls. I'm of Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Hour. Talking about your family's finances. Listen, normally, you've heard me. We do your emails. I want to give you the email address again. Arif at TFSWealth.com. Arif at TFSWealth.com. That's for next week. We're going to continue with Dr. Jeffrey Tipton. His book, Leaving the City, when we come back. I'm Arif Halliby. This is The Total Financial Hour. We'll be right back. Now
2: every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The total power. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halib.
1: Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. Eric Hallaby. the Total Financial Financial Hour. Let me give you the phone number one more time in studio. I want to talk to myself or Dr. Jeffrey Tipton. 866-870-5752. That's 866-870-5752. Continuing with Dr. uh, Tipton, I'm going to take your calls here in just a second, folks. Tell me about happiness. That's a big deal Dennis Prager talks about. We talk about it in your retirement life as a way to, to reducing stress, having some consistency.
0: Sure. So some of the biggest uh, sort of happiness factors are this concept of altruism. What do you, what are you sort of uh, what are you giving like in your community? How close knit is your community? Yeah. Do you know your neighbors? Are they your friends? Can you count on people to help you out, etc.? And L.A., just it ranks <laughs> it ranks at the at the bottom, um, and so people uh, they've done a number of surveys. Canada did a, a big study looking at ur- people who live in urban suburban, rural environments, and the people in rural slash suburban environments were were much happier than the people who live in the, in the city. Yeah,
1: it, it seems that way. We'll take your call here in just a second. Uh, line one, I want to find out uh, really what I think ultimately leads to your happiness. And uh, let's see, Angela, line one, you're on the air. Hi.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm just calling because of stuff you said before. Sure. First of all, uh, Dr. Tipton, thank you. I'm an MD. I'm in Canada. God bless you for thank you. up. I have tons and tons of relatives in California. I actually looked into moving to California. Thank God I didn't now. Um, And... Um, <laughs>
1: Well, tell oh, yeah. me, An- Tammy Angela, you're in Canada. The okay. what city are you in? Toronto. Okay, so in Toronto, are you finding that the same kind of uh, oppressive Absolutely. environments? Absolutely. A-
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I can't.
1: Stay. I want um, to say. I'm losing you. Can you get a little closer to the mic there? A little closer to the phone.
3: As I can, it's there we the go. There we online. go. I'm sorry, I don't know what to do. There you do.
1: go. That works. So, okay. ultimately, um, you're seeing yeah. patients, you're probably seeing because Toronto is a busy city, but they have really cracked down on COVID. City.
3: Like the GTA is like over five or seven million people. Oh, wow. It's a huge, huge area. So, you know, we're like big city, you know? hmm. Anyways, um, thank you, Dr. Tipton, for, for speaking out. Um, I don't, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have the courage to speak up. Well, because I'll lose my license right away if I spoke out about anything.
1: Well, it's interesting because California. Thank you for calling, Angela. California has now implemented uh, a rule. Now it's been knocked down, but we'll see. They're going to find another workaround to go after physicians that don't toe the party line, which is the Democrat party line, which is the suppression against free speech and free medical conversations with your physician. Uh, we're going to take another call. Jan from La thank Oh, you. hi. Hi, thank you for calling, um, Jan.
4: Thank you so much for discussing these issues. And they, be, they become um, very complicated. Uh, for example, um, you know, I do have some family here, you know, but I'm now uh, single uh, being divorced and uh, widowed, and um, the, the family is not always around. And as you said, rated how uh, neighbors and other support systems are not yeah. really there socially, um, it, it makes it very difficult. But also, like, I am um, used to the climate, I get. I get, I even get cold here, so, (laughs) uh, no, I'm not kidding, but then I've, what I've thought is, okay, maybe I would consider, it's very difficult to move as, like, a uh, single person, especially older, um, I'm not, I'm not that old, but, you know, I'm not what I was in my 20s
1: and 30s, like, wanting to move around a lot, and, um... Well, that's a good question, Jan, for Dr. Tipton. Thank you for calling. Tell me, is there an age that says this is the time to leave if, if it's 30s or 40s or 50s? When is it too late to, to leave? Is that, have you found that in your yeah, research? I, yeah,
0: I don't think there's ever a time where you, you can't say, I'm out of here, right? Yeah. Or I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Some people do that in their 20s, 30s, 40s, et cetera. It just depends on you know how does this align sort of with your, your life a vision, your vision for your, you know, your self-actualization. Where do you want to end up in your life? The things you want to do, and you have to consider that against kind of what's happening here, and to what degree the city of L.A. hurts your ability to do those things.
1: Well, the city of Los Angeles has the ability, like many big cities, to permeate their values to the surrounding areas. In the turn of last century, so in the 1900s, uh, late 18, 1900s. When water was such the commodity, you started seeing this push for the city of L.A. to go to these local cities, Northridge, uh, Reseda, uh, uh, Sherman Oaks, and on and on, and and say, do you guys have your own water? Oh, you don't. Well, if you want to have access to the Mulholland aqueduct system, our dams, our reservoirs, well, you need to be part of the city of L.A. So a lot of these local communities, that's why you see two different names uh, across the board. Now, city of San Fernando found its own way. Burbank found its own way. Glendale. So this change that occurred was a push towards water, and that really made an enormous push towards, in my opinion, the, uh, the consolidation of power of Los Angeles. Now, why does that matter? Because L.A. uses its influence on the cities that are no longer that, – that chose not to be part of it. So you see that permeation of their values across the board. It's why the, our, our uh, county supervisors are the most corrupt in the state. There's nobody that they report to, and they could push around on a duly elected sheriff – in my opinion, if you didn't want to see uh, election interference, then don't look at what happened with Sheriff Villanueva in the last election. I'm not saying the current sheriff is a bad guy. I'm saying the influence and election meddling that the county supervisors did, probably unheard of in the 20th, uh, 20, 21st century, I think. We'll come uh, All right, let's take the next, uh, next call. We have Michael from Cherry Valley. Michael, how are you? Hi. Right. Hey turn your radio off there Michael so we can uh, we can hear you without the feedback. All right, it's on, it's on. Yeah, no, turn it off. So, turn turn the radio <laughs> off and you on.
4: <laughs> All right, it's off now, it's off.
1: Great. Okay, well talk to me. How are you? Tell me what's going on.
4: So I believe it was about 3 months ago, I was visiting some family in Los in the Los Angeles County yes, area, right? kind of near, uh, almost near Ventura, you know, over by that area, all right? So I I, I was visiting one night. I was at the club, right? And, and then I get back out. I walk outside, and my truck's out there, all right? You hear me?
1: Well, you know, M- Michael, thank you for calling. Let me tell you, we see this over and over. There's a coordination between the... The uh, tow truck companies, the towing agencies, the parking enforcement, certain law enforcement agencies. Michael, you're so uh, right on when you talk about that combination, that integration. It's a business. And heaven forbid you try to get your tow truck uh, or your car out of the the tow lot. Rightfully or wrong, I'll give you an, an example. I was visiting a client in Aspen, Colorado, and it was the 4th of July. I pull up my rental car. The the gentleman who was directing traffic I said where can I park my car he says park over there I said I'm going to be gone for about three hours it was the fourth of July uh, parade was you know five hours later or something I said I'll be gone for a couple of hours he said no problem just park over there you can park there all day I parked there all day my I come back my rental car is towed and so I had to go it's in the middle of this tow lot because of course during this event they towed hundreds of cars I have to catch a plane and he says no problem two months from Tuesday come back and you can fight the ticket like, are you kidding me? I have to get this to the airport. I have a plane to catch. I was there for the day. So it is a business. And I and I feel bad for folks like you and me that are out-of-towners when you come to this area because it's so convoluted. Look at the street signs, when you can park, on what side, Tuesday, but not street cleaning. And you got trash pickup and uh, – oh, my word.
0: Yeah, I, I would say that uh, – and, and you worked LAPD, so you know about impound lots. And I've had to deal with those. And when you see that – You just – there's like 500 cars there and you say, well, what are you going to do with all these cars? And they said, well, every – like at the end of the month, we have an auction and we sell them. So we have a right. We have a right to tow your car and we have a right to sell the car. And we have a right to take the money from the car. You know more about this than I do.
1: Yeah, it's incredible that you think about any organization that can come in with Fourth Amendment rights, search and seizure, because they impound your car, which means they go through it piece by piece. And you said you had money in the car or a firearm or or a knife or a computer or I don't know, whatever you thought you had in the car. Now, the tow agencies are supposed to be honest about it, but – Channel Whatever News Investigations uh, regularly does these reports and finds that a lot of the tow lots, a lot of the tow men and women uh, are less than honest and less than truthful. Dr. Jeffrey Tipton, let me give you the phone number one more time, guys, to give us a call at 866-870-5752. That's 866-870-5752. Some of the recent migration patterns, we're starting to see this change in the U.S., especially the exodus from Los Angeles. Where do you where do you see people going? Is there a place a region that's they more still popular?
0: yeah they still seem to be going to like for example I was with my aunt and uncle they st- started their lives in L.A. they moved to Santa Barbara that became too much they moved to San Anes that became too much what they realized that it was the state of California itself had become one large sort of government entity so to speak so they moved to Tennessee so a lot of people they go to Tennessee they go to Texas Texas though. You know, is I think is getting kind of over overplayed, so to speak. Yeah,
1: what what uh, age did your aunt and uncle leave?
0: They they left actually. They were sixty, they're in their seventies, okay. and they left from San Inez to Tennessee because my uh, uh, uncle's a builder architect. And he can't do anything
1: here anymore. It was, just, it was just over. Here's what I want you to do, guys. It's what I did when I was looking for a vacation home or a second home or a place to retire, or, you know, all of us are in that mindset when you get in your 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever. Here's what I want you to do. Today you can put on your phone that weather application, the weather app. So put on the cities that you want to go to three or four or five cities, and track the weather and compare it to where you are. I started doing that and I noticed one of the areas that I wanted to go to, the weather was very similar to where where my home is in Southern California in in the Northern LA County. I went, okay, listen, Santa Clarita weather and the weather in the areas I want to go to except for a few weeks out of the year is almost identical. That makes a huge difference because when you do that, when you come up with the idea of what the next place for you to live in, all of us. Play this weather card, right? We love weather. It's about weather and weather, weather and weather tax. So we're seeing that. You're right. I, I, I think yeah. Texas, some cities in Texas, because there's more land than they know what to do with there. Right, right. Is really overplayed. Let me take another call here. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm going to take line two. Uh, Rosalind from War Park.
5: Yes. Hello. Thank you. Hi, Rosalind. Thank um, you for calling. So much for the time and your great show. I'm just wondering why uh, there's all this rezoning. Um, denying single-family dwellings if um, there's such a health concern and such a push for us to all live in urban areas as well. They don't want the rural areas, and uh, um, that's a problem.
1: Yeah, I remember the, uh, what was it, 24 – gosh, it's off the top of my head – the push – to make everybody live in these multi-zoning areas, where there's shops on the first floor and businesses on the second and third, and then residents on the fourth, fifth, and sixth floor, to kind of consolidate next to the train stations and consolidate next to these, uh, you know, one-stop farmers. Yeah, right, exactly. So you start to see this. Okay, for some people, they want to live that way. Now, Rosalind, I don't see that as a problem, but you're out in Moore Park. Moore Park has a lot of land. Yes. Tell me what you so have seen as a difference between today and maybe when you first moved to Moore Park?
5: Well, it, again, it's the commute. Um, I um, had to commute to Burbank, to uh, Providence St. Joe's Hospital, and then I transferred to Providence Holy Cross, and that helped uh, decrease the time I had to commute on the 170 and the 134. But just like the doctor was saying, the commuting was just horrendous. It was so stressful.
1: It starts to make uh, uh, everybody, I think, not just angry, but you look at something like the carpool lane. So when I started paying attention to this, I started looking to see on the carpool lane what you actually see. Now, it was designed and should be designed during peak work hours for people that gave up their car to park in one of those off-site parking lots so that they can both carpool – Together Today, it's a family of five going on the road, or me and my wife going shopping, and we can jump in the carpool lane. It has nothing to do with what it's supposed to have been used for. It's symbolism over substance.
5: Well, when it first opened, that carpool lane, after all the years of being closed down, while they were building that carpool lane, I wanted someone who was artistic to do a cartoon, and it showed all the um, people in the carpool lane were gardeners. Yes. And um, (laughs) all the people with their... BMWs and everything were in the regular lanes. Yes. Um, it was kind of funny because professionally Burbank has a whole bunch of people that um, are very, you know, affluent. Yes. And yet the ones in the carpool lanes that we paid for our tax dollars were people <laughs> that probably weren't paying any taxes at all. Yeah,
1: yeah you see that uh, time again. Thank you for calling Rosalind. I appreciate it. And thank you for your service uh, with Providence, uh, Providence Ho- Holy Cross, Providence Hospital System. You guys, one of the best in the country. Uh, I know that from both personal and professional experience, so so it's a great organization. Uh, I want to take our next call, uh, but before we do, Doctor Tipton, I have a question for you. As we continue to look at this, people these people that are contemplating a move, they're not sure, back and forth. What resources are available? What have you seen that that allows them to make that that change?
0: Yeah, so I think you mentioned the the weather app. That's sort of a good idea. and You'd be surprised to learn that you know the weather isn't as bad as people say it is in a particular place. Um, you know, LA, it's funny because LA does get cold in the winter. Yeah. And you have to wear a jacket and you go, why am I cold in LA? Yes. And then you go to South Florida and you're never, ever, ever cold. Yes. Now, sometimes maybe you're too warm, but you're never cold. So if you like warm, South Florida is very warm. And one of
1: the things I've seen, uh, Jeff, is across the board, this idea that the world is falling to pieces and everything is bad all the time. I mean, we've got to back off of that a little bit. And here's why. We never used to care about the news in Des Moines, Iowa, or care about a shooting that took place in Fargo, North Dakota. We didn't live there. If you had family there, you might have heard about it. If you knew friends or if you used to live there. But most of the time, you cared about what happened in your neighborhood, your area, maybe the Southern California area. But today, we're hearing about an earthquake in Turkey. And rightfully, we should be concerned about some of the permitting and construction. But unless you're Turkish or have family in northern Syria, I mean, it's a human tragedy. Don't get me wrong. Just like in East Palestine, right? The the train crash and all of that. That's important. But we're never going to get that smell. It's not going to impact us, certainly not for years to come and not directly. So I I want you guys to kind of back off these, oh, there's a shooting every 15 minutes. There's 400 million guns in the United States. 400 million. If you think guns were the problem, you'd have – five six seven thousand shootings a day then we'd start saying it's a problem nine or ten or twelve a year god forbid even one of them but nine or ten or twelve a year statistically it's irrelevant now i don't mean the human toll i get it right i god forbid i you know i tell you stories about how many times it's bad to be a police officer, right? We we go to war, but for a 20 or 25 year career, thank goodness. I only had an 11 year career. Obviously I had to retire from a back injury. Some of you know the story, but when you go deploy to overseas, it's really bad. But for six month or nine month deployment or one year, when law enforcement or firefighters or paramedics are on the ground in, in a city like LA, all you do is respond to bad news. That, that's why you're there. And so- The PTSD or the problems that we can experience are quite dramatic. Well, you're starting to experience the same things when you watch the news on a regular basis but without the training and the perspective. But instead of it being just from your local area because you're not getting a report on things that are happening every day down the street, you're, you're listening to 400 million Americans and illegal aliens that are here and their, their issues. So so put that into perspective. Hey, towing is a big deal. I want to pull up Diane in Sun Valley because she has a question for us on towing. Uh, Diane, thank you for calling. This is Arif Hallaby and Dr. Jeffrey Tipton.
6: Yes. Uh, hello? Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes. Actually, I was chiming in on um, someone, uh, or maybe yourself, Arif, who had spoken about, um, you know, uh, being a business, I believe, about the towing. And it got yes. me wondering about that, Um a couple of years ago, um, I think it was like around October we went uh, out to go to work and we had parked our truck across the road from uh, we live in a townhouse project in sun Valley and uh, so uh, we are each allowed two parking spaces, but anyway, despite that, uh, we've been parking across the road for quite a long time and had no problems but then that particular morning um we discovered our truck was gone oh no and, uh, so i said to my husband are you sure you parked it there <laughs> you know and of course i knew that he had but you know we didn't want to believe it and then um but uh, thank goodness we had a, another car and an older one as well uh,
1: and you found uh, out anyway. it was towed was so it uh, towed at the local and we lot went
6: looking for it and uh could not find it. And then uh, what happened is about a month later, we get a call, uh, you know, from the police, uh, impound, uh, that the setting was impounded in Northridge, and I thought, yeah. Northridge? Uh, yeah, actually, it was, uh, and we asked them where they found it, and they said it was in a parking lot near that area. So, of course, we paid close to 500 to get it wow. out, and it, nothing was wrong with it except that... Uh, they had drilled a hole in the passenger side to get in, yeah. and um, thank goodness we didn't have a lot in there, but uh, you know, one after of the, we paid that, I, I, it made me wonder if it was a business. So,
1: well, I'll tell you, it, <laughs> one of the. I'm so sorry to hear about that, Diane, because one of the things that we did when I worked the front desk of either Foothill Division or, let's see, all the different divisions, uh-huh. Foothill and Devonshire and West L.A., and... So the different divisions of Van Nuys, that I worked the desk first job was when people walk in and says I want to report my car stolen we would look it up in the computer to see if it was impounded because the moment it's impounded it goes into the system we pull it up and it says impounded so we say sorry ma'am your car is not stolen it's at the impound lot ABC123 go pick it up here here call these people and they'll they'll arrange that So uh, what probably happened it sounds like is it was it was stolen joyride uh and then those guys left it what we call dumped it uh somewhere and then it was picked up uh by uh okay. you know by law enforcement so you know there 's a place there 's a purpose for almost everything that we use. Thank you for calling Diane. I appreciate it everything that we have in our system, right law enforcement, parking enforcement, firefighters, and on and on but today i 'm hearing that there are these organizations <laughs> that are that are rolling out social workers to these scenes when you have a, a screaming man or screaming lady or, or business dispute or whatever it might be. And they're rolling out unarmed civilians. Now, uh, I, I understand, right, as a as a martial artist myself, but I was a martial artist in a black belt 30 years ago. I was going to say more than that, but it was about 30, 34 years ago. That was my job, right? I loved it. I fought. I'm... In my 50s now, with almost every joint that has something wrong with it, my shoulder, my arm, my leg, my knees, right? Depending on what's going on for the day, you're telling me that you're going to roll out some guy or gal without my training that's going to go talk to somebody who has a knife or who's going to punch you in the nose? Oh, my word. Who wants that job? Yeah. There's a lot of great ideas out there.
0: And then uh, like Tyson says – uh, and you know you have a you have a plan until you get hit in the face. Yeah,
1: everybody has yeah. a plan yeah. until they get hit in the face. Yeah, exactly. oh my god, yeah. you know so many times. Right in the academy, we would do the same kind of training. Like, okay, first you do this, and I was already a black belt, and there was probably four of us that were uh, that were trained in the academy class. And so everything they were teaching us, we would kind of joke and chuckle and say, "Oh, that's cute. That'll never work." And of course, it's designed to have a foundation of people that didn't have a background. Okay, I get it. Yeah. But where the problems come in is now you're in the street and it's an all-out fight. And so I see this the, – the, the craziness, the urban stuff. But back to your point of people moving to the cities – away from the cities rather to the urban uh, and rural environments, this – from the urban to the rural. I saw this when I was in West L.A. Division mostly but also in the San Fernando Valley. I would see this. We'd stop somebody on San Vicente. We'd look at their driver's license and it says Illinois. Or it says Kentucky or something. So, golly, what the daylights are you doing out here? He said, well, do you know this? You know what happens? Oh, so here's what happens. So after a minute, you know, I was kind and always respectful. And I appreciated that. Uh, and I think they did, right? Until, you, until things went sideways then. But I was that guy that was always nice and kind. I would say, so what happened? You lived in, in Kentucky. What are you doing here? He said, well, I got in trouble for the umpteenth time. And they said six months in jail or a one-way Greyhound bus ticket to Santa Monica. I said, are you kidding me? They said, oh, yeah. So well, what do you do? He said, well, I chose Santa Monica. So he had a one-way bus ticket. Those rural environments got rid of their problems and said, don't get off until the bus stops. This happened with a lot of Native Americans in L.A. They got
0: one-way bus tickets from the reservation <laughs> to downtown L.A. That's a true story.
1: Wow. Well, folks, you see that. Dr. Jeffrey Tipton's book, You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, almost any place. Leaving the City, Jeffrey Tipton, Health and Happiness in the Other America. I recommend it if you're considering leaving California, certainly the urban area. It's worth the read. Thanks for being part of the show. 888-99-RETIRE. Give me a call this week. I'm Eric Halliby on the Total Financial Hour. Thanks for being with us.
2: The Total Financial Hour.